Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. This morning, I am going to talk to you a little bit about some some things that I feel like I need to talk to you about as your pastor. Uh, If you got my text yesterday, I asked everyone to to be at Bible study. I know everyone will not be at Bible study today. Uh, We're going to probably have about 300 more people in here. By the time uh, 11 o'clock worship service starts, However, uh, this is being recorded this morning, and I will share this on our podcast uh, immediately uh, following this service today, because I want everyone to be able to hear what I feel like I need to say uh, to the people of God and to Truth Chapel. Um, Today will be a little bit different. Um, Today I will, I believe that I'm, I'm going to teach to you today the Word of God. Uh, but I also believe that there's some things that just need to be said in this moment. Some things that should have been said years and years ago that hadn't been said. Um, and I believe that as, a, as, a, as a, a church, you know, the kingdom of God, as a church, we, we have uh, s- somewhere along the way we decided that if we pretended like things weren't happening, then by some magic event, they would not be happening. Uh, however... Uh, we have come to a place now where everybody knows that it's happening and the only way to deal with it is to deal with it. I do not like to let a story tell itself. I know people who say, well, I'm not going to defend, you know, my position. I'm not going to defend where I stand. You know, it is what it is. I don't need to say anything. And there are many, many, a lot, a bunch, a ton of situations in this world today, politically, uh, you know, religiously, uh, denominationally. There are a lot of uh, positions that I don't feel like I need to say anything about. Uh, As a pastor, as a leader, as your leader, I don't feel like I have a, I I have no comment. To me, it's not valuable. Where, Where is the value in it? I ask myself this continually. I see stuff on the news. I, I see things that are happening around the world. But I refuse to be caught up in the narrative um, because if you, if you chase every narrative, uh, then when the narrative changes, and it will, the narrative will change. When the truth comes out, and it will, the truth will come out. You have uh, put yourself in a corner, and that's not my job. What you need to know about my position is that it's not a political position. This is not a power position. I am not standing here today as a CEO of a company, I'm not standing here today as a, as a person in power. I'm standing here today as a pastor. The word pastor in your Bible is shepherd. I'm a shepherd to the flock of God. And it's my, it is my job to be a shepherd. And there are many places in the Bible where Jesus is very clear on what a shepherd should do, how a shepherd should lead. All throughout the book of Psalms, David, who was a shepherd, who understood the concept of shepherding, wrote many verses about that good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, and that great 
shepherd. And as your shepherd, uh, I feel like there are some things that I'm, I don't want to lead you to that grass. If I, if, I, if I make it an issue, it'll be an issue. If I lead you to this place, then, then, then you will eat, eat the grass there. You, you will eat what's available to you. And uh, so there's some concepts and some stuff going on in our world today that I, I choose not to talk about. The reason I choose not to talk about it is because there's no value in it. Uh, if you eat it, you'll get sick. If you, if you try to take part in it, it'll make you weak in the spirit. If I try to take part in it, it it'll make me weak in the spirit. There are things that I am very aggravated about, but I don't talk about. I don't talk about it to the church family. I don't talk about it to my family. And I may talk about it with, with, with some pastor friends of mine because iron sharpeneth iron. And we're all pastoring people. We're all shepherds. And it's good for shepherds to get together and talk. And so I have that outlet. I, I, I have that place where I talk to shepherds among us. And I have that, that time where I can bounce ideas and thoughts off men of God who I trust. But from this pulpit... I'm very limited on what I say about the current culture that we live in. And because I'm very limited on what I say about the current culture that we live in is, is because my job is not to do that. You understand what I'm saying, right? It's not my job. I can get up here today and preach to you about Disney, but it's not my job. There's nothing in the Bible about it. I can get up here today and talk to you about a plethora of Political issues that face our world today. It's just not my job. There's no pastor on this planet whose job is to keep you abreast of where we are politically in our world. It's not his job. It's not the Bible. It's not biblical. I've searched it through and through. It's, it, there's no place for it. The reason is because my job as a pastor is to bring you the, the word of God and to bring it to you in a spiritual way and a practical way. This is what we believe. This is how we behave. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy. This is how we, this is what we believe in the scripture. This is our doctrine. This is what we understand. We believe these things, and because we believe these things, we behave this way. And I believe that holiness is outwardly, and I believe that holiness is inwardly. It is our conduct as much as it is our costume. It's, it's, it's our conduct as much as it is our closet. How, how we act, how we dress, what we do in certain situations, it all matters. It's all holiness. Holiness, modesty. Modesty is a, a tire issue, and it's also an attitude issue. What, what, I, what I do behind this pulpit, if it doesn't drive you towards heaven, then I'm not doing my job as a pastor. All I'm doing is keeping you, uh, you know, connected with what, what's happening in the times. And, and we know about what happens with men who focus on the times. The Bible says those that focus on the times, their hearts will fail because of fear. Because they're looking at things below and they're not looking at things above. If we get so focused down here, we can't see what God is doing up there. If we stay so natural, we, we can't experience a spiritual demonstration of God's word. And so, like Paul, when he stood on Mars Hill, he says to the people who are listening, who are all educated, these are uh, philosophers and and, and they are theologians, and they understand crazy things. They, they are astronomers, and they've, they've read more books. And uh, Paul will say that your, their much learning has made them mad. They know too much. It's not good to know too much. Much learning will make you mad. We, we all know people 
that are so smart, they're crazy. They don't understand even common basic things because they've learned so much has made them mad. And as Paul stood in front of those kind of people, here's what he said. He said, I don't come to you with wisdom, man's wisdom, man's understanding. Y'all got that corner taken. He said, I come to you in demonstration of God's word because y'all can talk about it. I can make it happen. Y'all can uh, have a philosophical debate, but I know what God is capable of right now, right, right here, right now. He can take the heart of man and turn it around. He can take what is evil and turn it for good. And he begins to tell his own testimony of how wicked of a man he was, thought he was doing God's work, thought he was doing God's will, but God turned him around in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Paul experienced this. And so all throughout the word of God, we see that the pastor's job is to push people towards heaven. My, my job is to preach the gospel. Uh, just a couple Sundays ago, if you, if you need a job description of a pastor, go back a couple Sundays and on our podcast, on our YouTube page, and watch the message that I preach called The Anointed Preacher. I literally preach the message on what my job description is, what God has anointed me to do. However, saying all that, I come to this because there is time for housekeeping. This morning, and if you're a guest with us today, I apologize that you're here for housekeeping. But this will be good for you too. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn me to 2 Samuel chapter 13. If you know me well and you've been here at Truth Chapel very long, then you'll understand a few things about me. If I can't find a biblical connotation for it, you're not going to hear about it. You've heard me say this. If, if you've been here for a long time, you've heard, it say me, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I ain't got no Bible for that. This is not in the Bible. I ain't, I ain't got no Bible for it. But I'm, I'm about to bring you some, some, some good Bible here that's going to help me lead into what I need to tell you uh, today. The Bible says this, and it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he felt sick for his sister, Tamar. She, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. He said unto him, why are you, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Why do you, why, why do you look? so depressed from day to day. Tell me. And Amnon said to, said to him, he said, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Same dad, different mom. Jonadab said to him, listen, lay down in your bed, pretend like you're sick, and when you, your father comes to see thee, saying to him, you know, I'm so sick, I feel like I need Tamar to come and be my nursemaid. And so Amnon did it. He listened to his friend. And he, he laid down and he pretended to be sick. And when the king was coming to see him, he said, I, I, I really feel like I need Tamar to come and take care of me. So, so David, seeing that his son was sick, he, he just sent for Tamar. Yeah. So Tamar came. Verse 8, Tamar went to her brother's house and he was laid down and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and 
poured them out before him, and he refused to eat. And, and Amnon said, have out, all, have out all men from me. Everybody leave. And everybody left. And when, when they left, I'll, I'll save you the next couple of verses. Amnon sexually abused Tamar. He raped her. And she said, don't force yourself on me. Don't do, don't, don't do this. And he did it anyway. And when he was finished, Amnon hated her exceedingly. And so that hatred that he hated her with was greater than the love that he had for her. And Amnon said, get up and get out. And she said, there is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater. This is verse 16. She said, the evil in sending me away and pretending like this didn't happen is greater than the other thing you did to me. But he would not hearken unto her. And then he called a servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors. She had a, she had a coat of many colors. Sounds so familiar. She had a coat of, of many colors and such robes. Watch, watch verse 18 if you're still following me in the word and you haven't uh, zoned out because you're thinking what in the world is pastor preaching about today. She had a coat of many colors and it, it, it was such a robe. It, it, it was a special robe that the king's daughters who were virgins would wear. And they kicked her out and they bolted the door behind her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and she tore her garment. She ripped her coat of many colors. Another coat of many colors ripped in your Bible. And laid her hand on her head and went on crying. Watch, watch verse 20. Here comes the cover up. Absalom, my brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. Don't, don't say anything, Tamar. Let's don't, let's don't talk about this. Because he's your brother. And let's just pretend this didn't happen. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Um, going to get a little touchy here for just a moment, but I need you to know a few things. Number one, this is a story of abuse. It's a story of power used in the wrong way. It's a story of a, a king's son who was powerful because he was the king's son, could, could do what he really wanted to do. He knew it was wrong. He knew it was not lawful. He knew that this was out of place. He should not be doing this. But he had a friend. And he had a friend who gave him a way to accomplish this goal. And because he listened to his friend, he committed an awful crime against his own half-sister. And the crime was awful. What happened to Tamar? was unbelievable. Should have never happened. When he had uh, done what he did, he, he began to hate her immediately. This is why you cannot let lust push you into a corner. You cannot let lust lie to you. Lust is a liar. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him lust is a liar. It lies to you. What, what, what Amnon thought, he thought that he loved her, but lust had lied to him. It wasn't love. It was lust. And it, and, and it lied to him and told him if I could just have this thing, it, it, it'll be, it, I'll be fine. But after he had it, that love that he thought was love was replaced with a hatred because that's what lust will do. And the story is, is already awful, but let's make it worse. Here's where it gets worse. It gets worse that Tamar is, yes, she's been abused. She's been hurt, but she is still a king's daughter. She still has a robe. Listen, Amnon destroyed her innocent, but she destroyed her coat. Let me say it again. I'm going to help somebody here today. Amnon took away her innocence, but it was her who ripped her coat. She never lost her place as the king's daughter. Never. She destroyed that. When she thought, I'm no good now. Let me, let me take a little moment here and let's, let's, let's share some time with the victim, Tamar. She's the victim of this crime, not her own doing. She was ordered by the king to be in this place at this time. It was a lie. It was a setup. It was a ruse. She was not at fault. I don't care how beautiful she was, she was not at fault. Her beauty, her desirability did not make her part of the problem. I need, I need people to hear me right now. Just because she was beautiful doesn't, doesn't make her a part of it. The it takes two to tango isn't always the case. That's, that's not a wise statement to make. Because Tamar was innocent. It was not her fault at all. She was there by the bidding of her father, the king, to take care of her brother, her half-brother, who was also a prince, son of the king. Power wielded in an evil way. And he took advantage of her. He took advantage of her innocence, her, his power over her. She was abused. And now she believes, she believes now, I'm no good. I am no good. I'm damaged goods. I have this, this, this robe that signifies to the world that sees it that I am the daughter of the king and that I am pure. And, and now that this has been taken from me, I will now destroy my identity. Can I say this to people in the room today? I don't care who hurt you and I don't care how they hurt you. They do not have the power to take away your identity. That's not their power. Can they take away your innocence? Absolutely. Can they take away your peace? Absolutely. Can they take away some stuff out of your mind? You better believe it. But they will never destroy your place in God. You are still a son of, you are still a daughter of the king. The only person, the only person that can change that fact is you.
You are the only one that can hide away. You are the only one. Here, here's what I would have loved for this story to have been. I would love for when Tamar left Amnon's house and she knew what had happened to her, if she would have just went and told. If she would have went and told David immediately, right then, on the spot, leave that place and go straight to my father and say, Father, this is what just happened to me. I believe this story would be so different for Tamar because the last thing we hear about Tamar is so Tamar remained desolate in her brother's house. Can I, can I say this to you? You don't need to tell your brother. You need to tell your father. Can, can, I, can I say a few things here as the pastor of this church? Pastor Stewart will confirm this with you here at Truth Chapel. I am a responsible, required, and mandatory reporter. If you tell me something that someone hurts you in any way, form, or fashion, my next conversation will be with the local police department. It's not because um, I'm breaking some kind of pastoral privilege. It's, it's because if I don't, I go to jail uh, as an obstructor of justice. If you tell me about someone hurting you, tell me about someone uh, taking advantage of you in any kind of way, verbally, abusively, sexually, I am a mandatory reporter. I will report it immediately. Every leader in this church is a mandatory reporter. Mandatory reporter. We will report it immediately. I don't care who it is, who they are, how important they may seem to be. I will report them ASAP. I will leave that conversation with you, and I will go report them. Can I say something else to this church? This is a safe place. As the pastor of this church, I promise you, at no time and no point will I sweep anything under the rug to save face. I will handle it immediately. I will handle it with extreme prejudice. I will take every effort I can to make it happen. But here's what I need from you. I don't need you to beat around the bush. I don't need you to lie about it. I don't need you to hold it in. Here's what I would love from you. Don't don't tell other people in this church. You need to talk to me or one of our pastors at this church immediately. Several years ago, I was told by a member of this church that there was a man in this church who was beating his wife. Or his, at the time, it was his fiancée. He had put his hands on her, and she was asking me to do something about it immediately. I, I you know, couldn't do anything with, with, with a third party. You know, I needed to speak to the person. So I set up an appointment with, with these two ladies in my office. And uh, I began to explain the issue and began to explain that if this man had been putting his hands on his wife, that I would be reporting it immediately. As I began to tell what I was about to do because of the information given me, the, the fiancé of this person began to um, backtrack and say, oh, no, no, that, 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 that didn't happen. The other lady in the conversation uh, was taken aback. She was like, you told me 
this, this happened. And, and she began to backtrack again. No, 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 no. That's not how it happened. You, you misheard me. And the other lady began to say, no, I don't think I misheard you. you. You were pretty clear about it. You called me the other night, and you were telling me this was happening. He was doing this and doing that. No, no, no. I, I was just saying that to get attention. It didn't happen. Left me in a very, very peculiar position. I don't know if this lady is telling the truth. I don't know if she's lying. I don't know what this lady heard. If she did mishear it, I don't know. Both of those ladies finally left our church. They're not here any longer. However, when they left my office, I called the police immediately. Unbeknownst to either one of them. Because my job as a pastor is to report abuse. And I will report it immediately. I don't know what the police ever did. It seemed to me like they didn't do anything because nothing was ever done about that situation. How, however, if, if, if it's told to me, I will report it. I will report it immediately and with extreme prejudice. Here's what you need to know. You do not need to keep it a secret. Do not keep it a secret. If someone in this church or someone older than you, listen to me, young, young ladies and young men. If a young man who is of age and you are not of age or a young woman of age and you are not of age DMs you, slides in your DMs, sends you a picture, texts you, you call me or Pastor John or Sister Tiffany or Sister Amanda immediately. I'm your next conversation. I'm your next text. I don't care who it is. I don't care what position they hold in this church. I, me, Pastor John, Pastor, uh, Sister Tiffany, or Sister Amanda, we're your next text. You're calling me immediately. It's not an option. If you don't, and you continue that conversation with that person, let me tell you, I don't care what happens beyond that. It's not going to look good for you in the end. You need to report it immediately. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Nobody is going to judge you. And if they do, they'll have to answer to me. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to beat around the bush. We're not going to say, well, maybe he meant, maybe she meant. No, 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 we're going to handle it now. Your parents will be told. Immediately, your parents will be told immediately. If you don't want your parents to know, don't tell me. I don't hide stuff from parents. If you're an underage child in this church, 14, 13, 15, 16, 17 years old, and something's going on and you want me to hide it from your parents, I'm not the guy. You better find somebody else. Because I have 15. And I have had underage children in my home. And that's not cool. I need to know immediately, now, today. I will handle it today. I will handle it post-haste. If you've been coming to the church for a while and you've dealt with me on some tough situations, you know that I don't jump. I'm not a jumper. I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, let's, let's fix this right now. Let's go. Let's go. For 90% of things in this church, I don't jump. I'm, I'm, I'm a patient man, and I take my time. That aggravates some of you, but you just got to deal with it. I'm not quick to react. But with this, Today, I will handle this today. 
I was molested when I was nine years old. Between the ages of eight and nine years old, repeatedly. By someone I loved dearly and who was close to me in my family. I was a 40-year-old man before I told my mother and father. I was 40 years old. It took me over 30 years to tell my parents. Let me tell you what it did to me between the ages of nine and somewhere in my 30s before the Lord actually began to really heal me. It made me tear my coat. It made me lose my place. It made me lose my mind. It made me try every edgy thing I could try. While my family loved God and was building a church and my brothers were living for God and following the call of God, I was doing drugs and getting in fights and doing gangster stuff with my gangster friends because I had no identity. I lost my identity. It wasn't taken from me. I gave it up. What I should have done is the day of, I should have told my dad. He would have handled it. Absolutely he would have. But I was terrified. I was scared. I was scared that I would uh, be the problem. I was scared that somehow I had made this happen. I was scared that somehow the family would be mad at me. I was scared that people would judge me. I was nine. I was nine. How did I even know that? The older I get, the more I realize what that took from me. I'm, I'm seeing now what it really took from me. When my son turned nine, we bought him a bike. And he was riding in our long driveway. If you've been in my house, you know I have a long driveway. He was riding in the driveway. I was sitting on the little partition wall we have there in our driveway on some bricks. And I was watching him ride his bike back and forth. And I lost it. Because as I saw him riding his bike, how happy he was and how innocent he was, I realized that that's how old I was when my life changed. And I wept for my son, but I really wept for me. I wept for my nine-year-old self because I lost all that. But I didn't tell nobody. I never told a soul. And until I was 30 years old, I lived in complete hatred for a soul. Complete hatred. Like vehement hatred. I know some of y'all, you've been mad at people before, but I know what bitterness is, what biblical bitterness is to hate someone. And when I was 30, this person had been dead for over 17 years. And at the funeral, people cried, but I cried because... I'm not the one who, was, who got to kill him. I lived with hatred in my heart until the Lord began to deal with me about forgiveness. And I looked at God. And if you've ever heard me preach about the Gethsemane prayer, you know I had to come to Jesus with God and I told him no. 
you can't take this from me. I'm allowed to hate this person. I'm allowed to hate. I'm allowed because you let this happen to me. You were there. You saw this and you didn't do anything. And so I'm allowed to hate. I'm allowed to live in this mindset. And I was an evangelist preaching the gospel, preaching about his grace and about his cross and about his death and burial and about his forgiveness, and I could not forgive. I would not forgive. It's not, could not, it's not a, well, it never came into my mind. It was a would not. I would not forgive. And that word in your Bible in 2 Samuel 13 and 20, desolate, Tamar remained desolate. There was a part of my life that lived in desolation because of what happened to me. I never left Absalom's house. Yeah. I never left. I never left Absalom's house. Until I was able to really forgive someone who wasn't even alive from here to hear me say it. What I need you to know this morning, and, 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 and this is my statement, is that Truth Chapel is a safe place. And as long as I'm the pastor here, you will always have an advocate with me because I know what it feels like. Many of you are just dealing with stuff that happened to, your, to you when you were just a child. It, listen, I know you're looking up here at me, but I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than the average bear. I am not the only person in this room that's dealt with this. Not by a long shot. Not even close. I'm not even close to being the only person in this room that's experienced abuse. Not even close. My story is just one of many, but I want you to know that there is healing in the telling. As a 40-year-old man, when I told my mother and father, there was healing for me. It was healing just to let them know. It was, it was realization for them like, wow. We always wondered, what's wrong with Court? He's so different. We didn't raise him like this. Why does he fight these demons? Why does he have to push the edges all the time? Why will he fight somebody at the drop of a hat? I lived in constant anger against everybody. Desolate, desolation. Look up that word desolation today when you go home. I lived in complete desolation. There was a part of my mind, a part of my life that was never free because of hatred, bitterness, and, listen, wait for it, entitlement. I was entitled to my bitterness, entitled to my hatred, entitled to my pain. It was an excuse. We'll never hear of Tamar again. 2 Samuel 13 begins and ends her story. Tamar, the victim. David heard about it. You know what David did? He got real mad. 
That's what you did, bro? You got bro mad? Shame on you. Shame on you. Why didn't you do anything? You got real mad? You heard about what happened to your daughter? And, 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 and the Bible says that David was very angry. Of course you were angry. But what did you do, bro? What did you do? Two years later, two years after this happens, Amnon's still rolling. Amnon's still chilling. Amnon's still alive. Two years later. And Absalom hates him. And Absalom sets up a whole scheme. And Absalom kills Amnon. Finally takes his life. You dealt, with, you, you dealt with Absalom. You, you, you dealt with the perpetrator of this crime. What about Tamar? You killed Amnon. Oh, okay, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I probably wanted to kill him too. I get it. But why does Tamar's story end in desolation? Why, why don't we tell a story of Tamar? Why does the Bible leave us hanging? Tamar never has redemption. Tamar never comes out of it. Tamar never walks in the daughterhood of the king ever again. She's not a princess. No man comes to save her. No life change for her. Can I, can I just speak to some people in this room who may be like me and have experienced some things? You cannot go to your brother's house and expect redemption. You cannot go to your brother's house and expect redemption. If you go to your brother's house, no one will ever hear from you again. Don't go to your brother's house. I read some commentary on this this week. I read some commentary on this because I was confused because it seems like David would have done something. Like David, handle this, deal with this. Most of the commentators agree that one of the reasons that, that, that David didn't put his hand on this is because David couldn't get to Tamar because if you read this, the whole story, you know that Absalom and David are fighting as well. That Absalom and David, they don't have a good relationship. Absalom hates David, and David is terrified that Absalom is going to take his kingdom. He's terrified that Absalom is going to kill his other son so that he'll be the only son left and able to stand in the place of the king. David and Absalom don't have a good relationship. Do not go hide in someone's house that doesn't have a good relationship with the father. That David may have wanted to do something, that David may have cared to do something for Tamar, but he couldn't get to her because she was hiding in Absalom's house. Because Absalom and David weren't talking, there was no reconnection between Tamar and her father. If you're going to tell somebody, you, you, you got to tell the right people. You, you need to tell, and it needs to be the right people. Truth Chapel is the right place. This is the right church. We are the right people. Please. 
I'm speaking to some people today that may be wounded in their heart, wounded in their spirit, and wounded in their past. There is a way of healing. There is a way of healing. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can be healed. Here's the good news. You, you can get beyond this. Here's the good news. You don't always have to live with a torn coat and a lost identity. Here's the good, this is the good news. Are you ready for the bad news? Here's the bad news. It comes through forgiveness. That's the bad news. The bad news is you're going to have to forgive somebody who you probably hate. There's hope, but hope is always on the other side of forgiveness. Hope is always on the other side of Calvary. Hope is on the other side of the cross and the shed blood. There's hope, but it's going to take you letting somebody go. And that's the bad news today because that's hard. Trust me. Trust me. I fought God for almost a year of my life because I felt like I was entitled to the emotions that I had in me. And beyond that, and I'm closing, I know, I, like I said, today's going to be heavy. But I'm going to sleep a lot better tonight than I slept last night. Because I need everybody in this church to know this is a safe place. This is a safe place. You can tell it. You can tell it here. You can tell it here. Nobody's going to judge you. You can tell it here. Listen, I'm going to believe you first. You hear me? I'm going to believe you first. I'm going to believe you first. We'll deal with all the other stuff afterwards, but we need to focus on the Tamars who are living in desolation because they believe that when their innocence was taken, so was their name. You are still a daughter of the king. You are still a son of the king. God will deal with Amnon, but the church needs to deal with Tamar. God will deal with him. He will be taken care of. God will handle that, but the church needs to focus on Tamar. Tamar, where you at? Come out. There's some Tamar sitting in this room right now. You got giftings in you. You got ministry in you. You got word in you. But you're living in desolation in your brother's home. And you got to come back to the palace. Put back on that robe again. The enemy took your innocence, but he cannot take your coat. Don't give it up. I'm still a child of the king. That never changed. That never changed. God loved me just as much in that moment as he does right now. It's never changed. Don't let the enemy steal from you what people want to steal from you. Don't let it happen. All over this room right now, would you just lift your voice to heaven? I pray right now for a spirit of boldness to come on some people. I pray right now for a spirit of of healing to come upon some people. Today's been a little different Sunday morning, been a little tough. 
But I'm, I'm talking to some people in this room that have walked through some stuff, and I may be speaking to some people today who are currently walking through some stuff, and it's time to tell the king, it's time to speak it. It's time, we, we're not going to let it hide in the dark no more. We're not going to let it hide in the dark no more. We're going to deal with it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to try to heal Tamar. We're going to focus on Tamar. We're going to let God deal with Amnon, and we're going to focus on Tamar. Tamar, come out of desolation. Come out of darkness. Come out of brokenness. Come out of depression. Come out of it in the name of Jesus. Come out from underneath the curse that the enemy tried to put on you. Come out from underneath it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, we got just a few more minutes here. I want you to take your time and I want you to pray. If you're sitting close to somebody who you know who needs it, I want you to lay hands on them and pray with them right now. Just pray that God will give them strength. In Jesus' name. 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 Would you stand on your feet all over the room? Oh, Holy Ghost, speak to us, Lord. policy of Truth Chapel will be that we tell it and we talk about it. That's going to be our policy. We're going to talk about it. We're going to tell it. We will not let it hide in the dark. We will expose it. We will shine light on it. We will handle it. That's going to be our policy of this church. And if you're wondering today what in the world brought this on and you have no idea, thank God that you don't. Thank God you got no clue why I'm up here speaking this today. But if, you, but if you do know why I'm speaking this today, you understand. You understand. The days of the church pretending like this stuff don't happen has got to be over. Got to be. You got to deal with it. And I want to empower every person in this room with the strength and boldness to speak it and I want to make afraid every groomer that may be sitting on these pews, every pervert that may be among us. I serve you notice. You're not welcome here. Go find you somewhere. But you're not welcome here. Not us. Not this church. You know why? Because we're going to talk about it. We're going to tell it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to tell it. Ain't happening. Not here. Not here. Is, it, is this all right this morning? Everybody still love me? Everybody still love me today? Amen. Would you just give God a shout of praise in the house? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.